Welcome to another episode of the Rosen Podcast. I'm Chloe, your host, and in today's episode, I'm chatting to local author Philip Marsden. If this is the first episode you're listening to, you can find and listen to the podcast at rosenpodcast.com, on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on all the other podcast apps. Just search for Rosen Podcast to find us. And if when you're there, you subscribe, then you'll be able to catch every single episode. And all of that is, of course, completely free. At rosenpodcast.com, you'll also find links to any resources we mention. This week's guest is Philip Marsden. Philip is an award-winning travel writer and novelist based right here on the Roseland. Hi, Philip. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, um, it's strange these these weeks, but we've all settled into a rhythm at, at my home of homeschooling and working and pottering around in the garden and things. And I guess as a writer, you're quite used to being at home a lot. But um, I think you're saying at this time of the year, normally you'd be out at all the book festivals. Yeah, um, because I've got the paperback of my books just out. Um, there were a lot of festivals in this country, in Ireland and Scotland and places that I was due to go to. The, the spring is a big time for book festivals and, and the book was coming out. So there was a sort of heady row of, of places to go to and, and places to speak at. And I mean, it's a pity not to be doing that obviously and and i mean the good thing about being a writer as, as you say it's, it's sort of forced isolation anyway i mean it's you need to be on your own and you need to to have that sort of isolation but every now and then you can go to a festival and meet other writers and readers and and it's great it's lovely to come up for air and and actually meet real people and <laughs> and talk about and to talk about the books and 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 fellow writers you know who spend the rest of their time buried away so yeah missing out on that is 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 sad um you know it's a it's a real pity but um i mean for the festival organizers it's it's been terrible because the whole year is based on you know on a few days and mm-hmm. and, and it's all it all goes and they wonder what it's going to happen to these festivals it's it's very worrying yeah it's it's i've got to have a friend who organizes a music festival up country and um incredibly challenging times to you know to even know what next year will look like um let alone the finances and the tickets and managing the the authors or in his case the bands and everything else it's a it's a difficult time for the festival organizers really isn't it yeah, I mean, any, anything that is about bums on seats, you know, whether it's a restaurant or a theatre or a festival is suffered. And, and I mean, you know, in a way, I mean, writing is just your own bum on your own seat. Um, so with the actual work, you know, I've been I've been doing a lot of work for my own work um, the last few weeks, which I probably wouldn't have done if I'd been, you know, schmoozing around at festivals. I was uh, actually talking to someone who's not, not a writer at all earlier, and we were talking about how... how it, one just feels more distracted than normal at the moment. So have you, have you, has it been over the last couple of weeks you felt you had the chance to really focus in on the work again and things have become a bit more normal? Yes. I mean, I, actually I've managed to sort of keep going all the way through. I mean, to begin with, it did, it did feel sort of weird and you were, you know, each day you were sort of, I felt myself watching the news, listening to every broadcast and you sort of, you were watching yourself in that, in that situation. Um, but I found also that because there wasn't anything else going on, there were I didn't have to go anywhere. Um, that I've managed to sort of lock into a, rhythm, a good rhythm of work. Actually, um, I mean, it is you know you do need that sort of headspace and um, and physical space to you know to think properly as a writer. And 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 I mean I'm I'm starting on a new book and it's all about 
trying to sort of make connections and and not polish up sentences but sort of at the other end and develop ideas and um it's been it's been really useful actually um and i think i, I mean I've, I've got notebooks and computer files full of full of stuff whether it's all nonsense you never know but but it, but it's certainly been it's certainly been productive but but equally there's that been that sort of nagging thought the whole time you know what what's happening what, what is going on mm. what's it like for everyone else what's you know what's it like for people you know and think of and problems you hear other people having it's it's yeah it's it, it's been both productive and sort of weird yes weird i think that, that's the word for it isn't it but um you mentioned um that you have a, a book that's recently out in paperback and um, i believe it's called the summer isles isn't it yes um it came out in harbour last uh october the summer isles a voyage of the imagination it's it's a book about um a, a sailing journey I, I sailed up the the west coast of ireland and the west coast of scotland a few years ago um and it's it's both a story of, of of the sort of minute by minute hour by hour um problems and 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 adventure and and and, and joys of of getting a boat single-handed along along you know fairly exposed mm. coastline having no no experience of that sort of thing um but it's also a, an exploration of various ideas which i've been wanting to explore for years and years about about the west coasts and of course i mean here in cornwall it, it, it came out of that i mean 20 years ago when i was down here sort of intermittently i used to come down for the winter and and um and write and then travel in the in the summer and i developed this idea of of exploring the sort of commonality between cornish um both cornish history and the sort of idea of cornwall and the idea of it being on the west and the sort of celtic connections if you like with other places like Brittany, wales ireland and scotland um and i did a lot of work on that and and um signed a contract with my publishers and it was all going ahead and, and i studied irish and at the university of galway um and then i i got cold feet it was it was a book about the celts and i suddenly kind of had this sense of the of the celts being a, a problematic term um certainly historically mm-hmm. um you know it's both it's both has some validity but it's also sort of been overlaid by a whole lot of stuff about you know when i when i saw you know one more celtic brooch or one more celtic <laughs> coffee mug and and that sort of thing i i realized that there was a lot of sort of clutter in the way of something that was interesting so actually i i i, I sort of backed away from it and away from what i was originally planning to do and went off and wrote books about other things um and then i only came back to it a few years ago it was slightly different slant um and the book subtitle the voyage of the imagination and it's about how these coastlines have always been places of the imagination um, for for people who don't live there, for people who do live there, um, for a lot of a lot of Europe actually, the west, the Atlantic seaboard of, of Ireland and and Britain has a sort of particular place. And in, in the Middle Ages, it was the sort of place of the other world. There was a whole string of made-up islands that that, that were supposed to exist in the Atlantic off the coast. Um, then it became the sort of projection of, of of the other side of Britain, the sort of Celtic side of Britain that hadn't been anglicised, um, and and now I think you know a lot of us who 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 love visiting the west of Ireland or Scotland or, or or those people who like coming to Cornwall are indulging something which is partly imaginative, partly aesthetic, um, but I think it taps into this sense of, of of the Western seaboard, the Atlantic seaboard, being a place of of myth of the imagination. And it was also um, 
which came out of my early researches, a, a sort of celebration of, of a particularly early Irish literature, um, which has this fantastic sort of surreal aspect to it. And it's, it's the earliest vernacular, i.e. in its own language, literature in Europe. Um, and being able to sort of tell those stories um, of voyages to the other world and the sort of um, fantastic elements. I mean, there's nothing quite like Irish literature. Um, so it was a sort of juxtaposition of these two things, uh, the, the imagination of, the, of that coastline, but also the, 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 the sort of the hard, hard-edged reality of, of, of trying to keep the boat afloat and trying to keep, <laughs> trying to keep alive in this, in, in what actually proved to be a pretty, um, pretty dodgy weather. Um, but as we know in Cornwall, the summer is always um, is always a bit unpredictable. Always unpredictable, and it's it's interesting that you know you said about how you'd originally had this idea about going after the Celts, and then the more you got into it, the more ephemeral, I suppose, possibly the right word that that word yeah. actually is. And then it's been ten, fifteen years until you came back and worked out how to deal with the ephemeral. So it must be quite satisfying having kind of finally scratched that itch. Completely, and it's just it's just coming at it at a different angle. I mean, I had the sense to begin with that I'd be exploring communities that were still sort of connected directly, if you like, to that sort of Celtic past, a linguistic past. But of course, I mean that's long gone. Even even in Ireland, I mean, in the the Gaeltacht, the the Irish-speaking areas, and in 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 Gaelic-speaking areas of of Scotland, um, just in you know in the last fifty years, the last of those sort of traditions have have gone um so i realized i couldn't do it in the way that i wanted to or or, or sort of planned to um and it was only by coming back to it and, and looking at it yeah in a slightly different way and realizing that it was it was a sort of projection that i was exploring that did yeah it feel it felt like something something's finally resolved yeah and it, it strikes me that to to try and get into that space to understand more of the history and the the feel of the people from the past you kind of have to put yourself in a slightly more risky scenario to travel around by car wouldn't have helped you get into the right mindset because that's so alien from from all the historical aspects whereas being in a boat on the sea in rough waves well that's that's been the same for hundreds of years really hasn't it no i mean that's that, that's absolutely right i mean but also actually particularly in the west coast of ireland which which still has a kind of but it's always had a sort of magic to it, and and it's it, it's not that much visited by um by yachts for for good reason. I mean, it's a bit like the north coast of Cornwall. It's not really the sort of place it's so exposed. Um, but and so if you you know if you turn up in a, particularly in a wooden it was a wooden boat, and it it opens a lot of doors. You cut you come into a sort of harbour, and um, people there, who's, you know, it being the sea, everyone knows what's going on. And they they feel slightly you know slightly concerned about you, and immediately people were receptive to me, and we could talk about boats, particularly wooden boats, as a great tradition in a lot of the harbours there for for wooden boats. So coming to coming from the sea, yes, and coming in in a boat opened open doors, and people were immediately receptive. And there are you know there are extraordinary people who lived there, and and and, and sort of they had wonderful stories to tell. So. It was a good way to do it. It wouldn't have worked in a car, as you say. Um, and it, I mean, it, it was it was also a sort of personal itch to scratch, if you like, mm -hmm. because I, as anyone who messes around in boats, you know, in the foul, we're very lucky because you don't have to go anywhere. Everything's here, really. But, you know, I think any, anyone who has a boat just sort of looks out, looks south to the horizon and thinks, you know, what would it be like actually to take a boat sort of 
round the lizard or further afield or or to do that so i'd had that you know that sort of itch for years and years to sort of see what it'd be like to take a boat further afield and i didn't have any experience i mean you know i i've been a day sailor in the foul and occasionally overnight you know for years and years i mean since childhood but i'd never i'd never sailed i never skipped my home boat i'd never sailed single-handed so that whole thing of i went i sailed um from from the foul up to, to dingle uh, and originally i wasn't planning to do the north the west coast at all because various friends of mine down here who experienced sailors they said look if you're going to go to ireland go up the RSC, you know go up mm. go up the inside and i said well if you if that's your advice i'm definitely going to do it so i so i was going to dingle which is quite a long way around and my plan was then to come around back south and then up the the east coast of ireland but once I was in Dingle, I, I changed my mind and went up the west, which was actually the best decision I could have made in terms of the book. But it made it made the whole thing much more challenging. Um, and every harbour, you know, had to be well planned out. And, and, and you know, you trust yourself to luck. And, and it was it was great. It was a real adventure. But um, but I think I was I mean, the whole time I was in this sort of state of anxiety, which I now realise actually is, is is the basis of all good seamanship. That that if you're not anxious about about being on the <laughs> that's when things go wrong. Um, but so the story of the book is 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 this this sort of um, you know slightly sort of hapless sailor trying to come to terms with single-handed sailing, mixed in with all the other sort of Irish stuff. And it's it's an interesting juxtaposition. I hadn't really planned it that way. Um, these things you sort of you can only plan a certain amount. And then they come out and on the page in the way that, that that you didn't necessarily expect, but putting together the sort of practicalities of sailing with these these sort of very strange stories has has a has a nice sort of contrast to it, a nice range to it, and it wasn't something I planned. Thanks, and and the destination of this this trip was the Summer Isles. So where whereabouts are they? Okay, the Summer Isles, they're off the northwest coast of Scotland, and, and I had a particular uh, personal connection to it. I used to spend um, a few years before I married, I, I, my aunt and uncle had moved up there, and I went up there to spend summer writing um, when I came back from my travel travels various places. And I became particularly enamored with my aunt, actually, um, with the, the, the anyone who knows that, that coast will know what I mean, these extraordinary peaks that run along north of Alapool. And she and I would would climb up these mountains, you know, go off for a day and 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 go up them. And you, and typically in the late afternoon, you get to the peak, and you'd look out over the mint towards the Outer Hebrides. And in the sort of afternoon sun, it was always sort of silvery or hazy or cloudy or whatever. And it just just in the in the foreground was this scattering of islands, which were called the Summerals. They were they were summer grazing for for um, for crofters there originally, and something about the name and the um the way that they they were there and also my aunt died tragically on one of those um climbing one of those mountains a year or so later and so it and we always wanted to go to the summer Isles. and so getting to the summer Isles and and going to them in that way became a sort of personal mission for me um and they came to represent you know i think for me i think we all have those places um, in our sort of memories or our, our our sort of imaginations that we want to get to that we that we long that we've perhaps seen or imagined and, and, and we're sort of drawn to and for me the, the summer Isles, i mean the name had a lot to do with it it's a lot, beautifully evocative name but it is that thing of something that's just out of reach that you're sort of trying to get to 
and going by boat and, and wondering whether they're going to get there at all is, <laughs> seems to be a good way of doing it. Well, um, Philip, where can people get hold of the book if they'd like to read the full story? Well, you'll know, you'll know as of um, a couple of weeks ago, you'll know allowed back into bookshops. So I can recommend, of course, the um, Waterstones in Truro and the Falmouth Bookseller and all local bookshops, which are which are struggling, I think, like everyone else. So they, it's it's available at all those bookshops, um, but on online at Amazon and and various other websites as well. And quite possibly in the St Moore's Post Office, because they seem to always have a stack of your yes, books. they do. I, I, well, exactly, they have had, and I'm, I, must, I must make sure that, that they're there. But I'm sure um, Andy's a very loyal supporter, so I'll, I'll go down and sign, and sign some for him. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. You can go and grab yourself a signed copy from St Moore's Post Office, and you don't even have to cross the river. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Philip, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and telling us about, about your, your writing activities and the book as well. It sounds fascinating. So thank you. Thanks, Philip. The book we were discussing is called The Summer Isles, A Voyage of the Imagination, and it's by Philip Marsden. It's available in all good bookshops, including St Moore's Post Office, and we've put the link to it on Amazon in the show notes. The show notes are the web page about the episode, and you can find them by going to rosalindpodcast.com and clicking the show notes button under this episode. And if you've enjoyed hearing a bit about what goes on behind the scenes in an author's life, why not have a listen to episode two, where I'm chatting with self-published author Alan Durham about the writing process. Lindsay and I are always on the lookout for more people to interview. So if you'd like to come on the show and talk about pretty much anything at all, we're interested. The first step is to drop us an email. So send that to roselandpodcast at gmail.com with your ideas and any questions you've got. Everything we do is recorded in advance. Nothing goes out live. So there's plenty of time to edit. Um, and you don't even have to be willing to come on the show yourself. If you've got something we can read out or you can record at home and send us the mp3 file of then just send it in that might be a recipe a poem a story um, and if you don't even want to say it yourself uh, we can read it out for you i hope this podcast helping us all feeling feel a little less alone a little bit more connected to our wonderful community in these weird old times we're living through and if you want to make sure you hear the rest of the shows then do make sure you bookmark rosenpodcast.com and look for us on your usual podcast app and subscribe Be kind and stay safe.